This episode of the Main Event Talk podcast is brought to you by Rich's Billiards. 5815 Weber, not your average heroes. The legend continues and sponsored by Emo Night. Check out Emo Night live as it happens November 20th on Saturday night. Should be a tremendous event to check out over at Rich's Billiards. Welcome to this Halloween Havoc edition of the Main Event Talk Podcast. I am the Main Event Player of the Super City, God Among Gods, King Among Kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch, walking God's green earth. We've got a lot of things we need to cover right now. And most of it right now has a lot to do with the fact that Halloween Havoc is tonight. So if you guys are going to get an opportunity to check out NXT's Halloween Havoc, get a chance to look at it tonight on the USA Network and just give you a little preview. Uh, We're going to have ourselves an NXT Championship matchup as Braun Breaker, the son of Rick Steiner, will go one-on-one against Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship. Raquel Gonzalez will be defending the NXT Women's Championship against Mandy Rose. And, of course, we've got several other matches that are going to take place as well. Plus, we're going to go look back at Bound for Glory. We're going to check it take a look at all the matches that take place over there and also talk about the finish that was quote-unquote to some people's idea a great finish and to my my dispense is are you fucking kidding me and also we're going to talk about AEW's Saturday Night's Dynamite and so much more and plus we got a special coming up happening on Halloween I'm going to talk about that probably at the end of this episode now Here's the thing I'm going to let you guys in on. Now, normally, and I want to let you guys in on this right now before anything goes down. Now, normally I was going to go ahead and just start off with some music and everything else like that. But I think we've decided that we're going to we're gonna cut back on the music. And as a matter of fact, it's not like we're not going to play anything. As a matter of fact, I've decided I'm going to play some music at the end of the conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. We've got some stuff that we got to talk about, and we got to talk about it as soon as possible. Now, if you guys have had an opportunity to check out the latest episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast, which was just yesterday, you know that there was a story that happened between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch on the whole thing that happened this past Friday night on SmackDown with that whole... Um, that whole awkward moment that happened with the the whole title exchange and everything else like that and the backstage heat that happened with Charlotte Flair. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that there's a little bit more to the story than meets the eye. So I wanted to go ahead and talk about this uh, particular topic and I want to go ahead and get it out of the way as soon as possible. And then to assure for us to get this out of the way, I'm going to let our friends at WrestleMania do the job for me. And I love uh, getting a chance to watch WrestleMania every chance they get. Their news is very, very accurate. They talk everything, professional wrestling, everything from AEW to the WWE and so much more. So if you're interested in subscribing to WrestleMania, all you got to do is go over to YouTube and look for WrestleMania. Subscribe to, uh, to their channel. Check out their news and check out all the latest info that they have in the world of professional wrestling. Now... Let's get right into it. WrestleMania's got the news for us, and this news is in regards to Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch on the backstage heat between these two. Was it a work, or was it shit for real? Our first story looks at nuclear heat on Charlotte Flair. But topping today's news are the service stories concerning Charlotte Flair and the tremendous amount of heat on her. 
It looks like there's growing evidence that the backstage heat on Charlotte Flair is anything but a work to build up her likely interbrand match against Becky Lynch at Survivor Series. Now there's quite a lot to cover so let's start off with a recent report from Pro Wrestling Torches editor Wade Keller who discussed Charlotte on a recent audio show. Wrestling News thankfully provided a transcript of Keller's comments which include the following remarks. For what I'm told from people behind the scenes is that none of the women want to work with her. Like not in the ring, in a match, not on the mic and I've sort of been going into tons of detail on it. In some situations there have been some speculation that I didn't want to get into in terms Okay, hold on guys, uh, I must apologize right now because um, you know, as I'm as I'm trying to post this out and everything, uh, a little bit of a little bit of commercial feedback is in the way, but uh, here we go. On and what's causing it, but it became newsworthy again last night. As we noted when the story first broke, it seems like the reports were so slanted against Flair that it may have been a work. However, Keller is reporting, I specifically reached out to people in seeking out Charlotte's side of this because it does, from the people I've been talking to, it just feels so one-sided. And these are people I trust and I talk to them about other things. This isn't like I'm talking to people who are anti-Charlotte. It's just sort of the people in WWE I talk to, some wrestlers and others who are just reliable and the stuff they tell me seems agenda free and it's played out as standing the test of time before. I don't hear anyone defending Charlotte in this. Somebody in so many words said Becky is a hero to the locker room for calling out Charlotte and not letting her get away with what she does. And Wade Keller went on to discuss how his sources told him Charlotte believes she is on another level than other performers and is not given the respect she deserves. At the same time, Flair is perceived as someone who is only looking out for number one and that she doesn't sell for other opponents. Keller provided an example of this saying, it goes to the Nia Jax situation and how that match turned into a debacle because Charlotte got upset over what was planned for that match, both the content and the finish. But that's not all as a superstar was actually ready to fight Flair backstage. Now reports are coming in that current authority figure Sonya Deville was ready to throw down with Flair due to the controversial segment. PW Insider's Mike Johnson recently reported on the confrontation between Lynch and Flair saying, The Lynch confrontation took place in the gorilla position in full view of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, among others, and received the lion's share of attention initially, but Lynch was not the only person upset with Flair. Two different sources described Sonya Deville as mad enough to want to fight Flair and at one point also having an argument with Flair backstage at SmackDown. Flair might not have fared well against Deville who is trained in mixed martial arts and has a 2-in-1 record in MMA. If the following information from PW Insider is accurate, there was definitely heat on Flair. Flair was escorted out of the building by WWE officials, which some close to her pointed to as a sign of disrespect in itself given her family's history with the company and her importance to the SmackDown brand going forward. One talent who was in the building but did not see the argument felt the company did the right thing as it was just the WWE's way to defusing the situation in the moment. Granted the WWE could be going with an elaborate scheme to get heat on Flair, but if so, why? According to some reports, this may be an effort by Flair to get out of a WWE contract. As we reported on Saturday, Flair's fiance, current AEW star Andrade, would like to see Flair join her in AEW, but as we're about to see, that may not be possible. As when does Flair's WWE contract actually end? And while the WWE could release Flair if it feels that she's not worthy of the salary or the alleged friction with other wrestlers, it may decide to keep her in the company simply to prevent her from working with the competition. According to PW Insider though, the Queen has years left on her contract, which means she's only leaving the WWE if she retires or the company tires of her alleged backstage politics. Next up, W... Uh, okay, we're going to stop right there. Uh, you know, thank you very much for uh, wrestling me for giving me that information. So, yeah, there, there's, uh, there was a lot more to this story than what I thought. And, and I got to say, um, you know, 
you know that that was my first initiative thought my first initiative thought was i thought charlotte flair was going to you know is this have anything a lot to do with um it does this have a lot to do with charlotte flair uh taking off to go see her fiance uh andrade taking off over to dynamite and um you know where where does this line everything now i mentioned this yesterday that the thing with Charlotte Flair is she's starting to become more like Tessa Blanchard every single time, and and it just seems that way because um, when I heard when I hear the term "hard to work with," that kind of reminds me of the whole thing with uh, Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard and Charlotte Flair both are extremely talented women. They are both. Um, you know, they both come from second, third generation uh, families. You know, of course, Tessa Blanchard is the uh, daughter of, of Tully Blanchard. Well, of course, Charlotte Flair is the daughter of Red Flair. Now, with all due respect to Charlotte Flair, this is the thing that I've talked about. She's, she's one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. I mean, I'm not going to deny the stuff that she has done over the years. But the thing is, this sort of stuff is kind of... It's kind of ridiculous and everything. Now, there there are things in wrestling that we look at as a work. We look at it as, oh, that's just part of the script. That's just part of the nonsense. That don't worry about it. But this is the thing I always keep telling people every single time. Don't believe in any of the hype that people tell you because sometimes one minute they'll say, oh, well, it's a work and everything, and then another story will say, oh, it's not a work and everything else like that. There's going to be a lot of stuff revealing between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Now, these two have been friends for a long, long time. They're actually lifelong friends here in this one. Now, the thing is, Becky Lynch is at a whole different level with Charlotte. And Charlotte is someone that is pretty much beneath everybody in her in her view. She's beneath everybody. She's beneath Sasha Banks. She's beneath Becky Lynch. She's beneath Bailey. She's beneath uh, anyone that tries to step up to her and everything else like that. Just because of the name Flair. Now, granted that I don't think Ric Flair would ever try to do anything like that as, as the way Charlotte's been, been doing. But I don't know. It just seems funny. that And, and obviously to, to many people, it seems like she wants to get out of her contract in many ways possible. Now, there's also another report that um, I looked into in regards to Charlotte Flair. Let me see if I can um, find some information about this because this was uh, uh, reported from what I understand. Uh, there was a quote that I saw from Charlotte Flair mentioning something about that she was going to drop the Raw Women's Championship to Bianca Belair. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm trying to look into some sources here to find out if that, sh if that is actually accurate or not. Uh, no. No, it doesn't seem that way, and, uh, and that's what I'm trying to look at and everything else like that. Uh, no, I don't think that's it. Well, anyways, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what's about to go down with Charlotte Flair. We know that Charlotte Flair is officially with, uh, with SmackDown right now. And uh, she's not going to be able to do anything just yet unless something happens. Uh, it's not going to surprise... And this is the thing. It's not going to surprise me. And I'll call it like I see it. It's not going to surprise me if something happens and say Charlotte Flair gets suspended or, or, or has the belt taken away from her 
or something in that particular nature because from from what's happening here we, as the old expression goes business you know uh, the show must go on is what they all say and whatever happens i mean I, you know i i i'm a huge fan of charlotte flair but i don't like how all this is being happening now I can understand why people want to root for for Becky a whole lot more than Charlotte because while Charlotte is someone that looks down upon all the women and say you all suck, you all, you know, look upon me and I'm the opportunity. Now, Charlotte knows how to bring in some heat, obviously. She knows how to piss a lot of people off, and she does a damn good job of it. But with Becky Lynch, Becky is someone that knows how to piss people off, but also has the ability to show respect to their opponents in every way possible. I don't like the fact that when I see someone like Charlotte Flair, and with all due respect to her, she's a tremendous competitor, she's one of the best women's wrestlers, she's better than any women's wrestler going today, whether it's here or AEW or whatever. She's one of the best. But when she is someone that looks down upon someone, and as from what I was reading through the notes, um, doesn't want to put any wrestler over, that's wrong. That's wrong in so many ways. Now, let's see. Uh, oh, actually, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I found this one. I think this is the one. I don't know if this is the one or not. This is from Sportskeeda. I think it says here, Charlotte Flair pushed to lose the Raw Women's Championship to a major reports here and everything. Let's see here. Okay, and this was uh, about a couple of days ago. It says, Charlotte Flair recently traded the Royal Women's Championship to Becky Lynch and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And the Queen wanted to lose... Okay, this is the one right here. The Queen wanted to lose her goal to Bianca Belair clean, uh, clean fashion on the October 8th episode of Monday Night Raw, which was just last Monday, as a matter of fact. During the episode, Blair and Blair and Flair wrestled for the Raw Women's Championship in a match that lasted over 20 minutes. At the end of the night, uh, the latter got the latter got herself disqualified to retain her title. Okay, so that was the match that happened last weekend, and I agree. Um, this was before Crown Jewel. And this was, um, you know, just last week where I, I saw the match. Both had a tremendous match, Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. And, and I agree, I, I, Charlotte should have lost the championship to Bianca Belair. And, and honestly, this is the thing, and, and, and I'll mention this because it's true. Had the championship, and this is the thing that I, I've got to gotta call it like I see it. Had the championship ended up in the hands of Bianca Belair and her being on Raw and say if... Uh, the championship was on SmackDown or something like that, or or something. Chances are, I mean, well, you know, I mean, it's it's it, it's just a bunch of shit here. The point is, the point of the matter is, this whole heat with Charlotte Flair, this whole thing with Bianca Belair, and this whole thing with the women against Charlotte. It's not a surprise, but I mean, we're gonna see how far this is gonna go. We're gonna see what's gonna happen. Um, We'll see what happens on Friday Night SmackDown. I mean, there, there's something's about to go down. I'm not sure what exactly, but we're going to see what's about to happen. But one thing's for certain. I mean, we know that Charlotte Flair is going to be very, very hard to deal with. And whatever happens, it's 
Not going to turn out good. It's not going to turn out good at all under any circumstances. Okay, um, let's talk about, let's see, what's the next thing we got to talk about? Okay, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I was going to go ahead and talk about Bound for Glory. We will talk about that in just a moment, but before we do that, let's talk about what happened at AEW Dynamite this past Saturday night. There were several things that were happening on Saturday night, uh, some that involve not just AEW Dynamite, but SmackDown. Yeah, believe it or not, SmackDown was happening on a Friday night, uh, on a Saturday night. Now, the reason for it is there was supposed to be a Game 7 to happen between the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. But as you know, the Houston Astros won Game 6, defeated the Boston Red Sox, and now, as you guys know, and also, and we and we got to talk about this a little bit, we'll get to this in a moment, the Boston Red Sox lost to the Houston Astros, and now Game 7 is not going to happen. So SmackDown and Fox had got together and said, we're going to show the encore presentation of SmackDown and show it on Fox and show a little bit of Crown Jewel that happened, and that's exactly what they did. So if you guys had an opportunity to check out Friday Night SmackDown on a Saturday night, boom. But at the same time when all this is taking place, Dynamite, Dynamite Saturday night was happening. Tremendous matchup. And uh, let's see if we can look at some of the stuff right here. Uh, I'm reading through all this stuff here. Uh, let's see. For the second week in a row, All Elite Wrestling held its weekly episode uh, of Dynamite on Saturday instead of its usual time slot on Wednesday. While this seems like it would work against AEW to have the show outside of its usual time slot, the weekend shows have been well-received by fans who don't have to wake up in the morning and go to work, especially on a Saturday night, which, let's be honest, some of us on a Saturday night do go to work on a Saturday night, and there are others that have to simply just be home, be drunk out of their fucking minds, go to sleep, get up, and go to work, or go to Whataburger and get their hands on a number two double meat, double cheese, no onions, Diet Coke, water size fries, but that's just me. Now, let me continue on with this. Uh, following confrontation, following the confrontation on Rampage, Cody and Malachi Blatt met for the third time in what could be the final match in their feud, which, <laughs> let me let me be honest with that, it's not the final feud, this is only just beginning. That's all I can say about that. Now, anyways, the ongoing AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament has uh, also continued with the week uh, with two matches. Brian Danielson took on Dustin Rhodes and Lance Archer battled Eddie Kingston. Let's take a look at everything that happened this week's episode of Saturday Night's Dynamite. Okay, Brian Danielson versus um, Cody Rhodes. I mean, I'm sorry, Cody Rhodes. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Dynamite have wasted, uh, let's see. Uh, Dynamite wasted absolute no time getting right to the action with uh, Danielson versus Rhodes. Two future Hall of Famers shook hands as the crowd started going for the while before uh, started going for a while before they even locked up. They kept it basic at the first of some. I'm just, Looks a little bit blurry to me. I don't have my glasses on. Uh, Yes, I wear glasses, believe it or not. Uh, Anyways, uh, they kept it basic and some 
uh, standard lockups and takedowns. Uh, Danielson put uh, Rhodes in a bow and arrow, but he was too close to the ropes to keep it applied. Rhodes nailed him with the hard left, but Ryan knocked him out of the ring and hit a suicide dive. The natural hit sent on from the apron from the, for the two count. Uh, Rhodes brought Danielson to the top rope and hit a beautiful suplex for another near fall. The let's see here. The American Dragon tried to start a sequence, but Rhodes hit the trademark snap power slam to stop him in his tracks. Danielson forced him down to the mat for the label lock, but had to break. Uh, had to break when Rhodes grabbed the ropes. He stomped Rhodes' uh, Rhodes' head a few times before sitting up and running knee, uh, running knees. Rhodes turned him inside out with a clothesline, spiked him with a pile driver for the close uh, for the close one two count. Danielson was able to score the win with the uh, I believe it's called the guillotine after the ref called the bell once Rhodes passed out uh, they had this great A okay your winner of that matchup was Daniel Bryan okay now tremendous matchup loved the first matchup it was great so I believe let me see if there was um was something here that uh let's see I don't know if they they didn't talk anything. Well, I'm not talking. Uh, well, I was about to mention something about um, uh, unless they skipped it. I think they skipped it, but let me see. No, yeah, I think they skipped it. Okay. Well, anyways, there was a segment that they talked about um, right after the match was over. Uh, it was where well, I, I think it was probably much further. But let me get into this whole deal. The next matchup was uh, Penelope Ford taking on Ruby Soho in the first round of the Hose Championship. Or, or the <laughs> the TBS champion. Okay, look. Let, for the record, it says TBS on the championship, right? But when you look at that championship closely, it says hoes. Okay, hoes. Yes, a bunch of hoes. And <laughs> anyways, Penelope uh, Ford and Ruby Soho. Is it just me, or do you want to bang the shit out of Penelope Ford? She looks like Scarlet. I swear to God. But anyways, there's really nothing to talk about in this match other than the fact that Penelope Ford lost. Ruby Soho won. She moves forward. And um, uh, there was a bit of a confrontation between Ruby Soho and uh, Penelope Ford and the bunny. The bunny alley. And then after that, all of a sudden, Velvet, uh, Red Velvet showed up. Came in for the save and everything. Pretty good matchup. Uh, now that she advances forward into the matchup. The next matchup... Bobby Fish took uh, took on Anthony Green. Uh, this was not uh, nothing more than just a typical squash match. Anthony got his ass killed at the hands of Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish beat him by submission, won the match, and then after that, Bobby Fish was trying to come back into the ring and basically wanted to do a number on Anthony. And then an appearance by CM Punk. CM Punk showed up right at the end of the match. It was tremendous. Um, no doubt. Oh. Sorry, no doubt we'll see a future match between CM Punk and Bobby Fish. I'm hoping 
maybe somewhere in the next episode of Dynamite or possibly at Full Gear because the word that I'm getting about the Full Gear event that's going to happen on November 13th is they're going to try and set up a match between CM Punk and Wardload, which I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I kind of like the idea of Bobby Fish versus CM Punk at, at AEW Full Gear. I think that sounds a whole lot better than than you know what I just mentioned. The next matchup, um, this one didn't take too long, and this is also very, um, this is not good and everything, but I guess this, uh, it's the, um, the second match in the world title eliminator tournament. It features Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. Now, I saw this match over at my house. Uh, actually, I saw everything at, at Dynamite at my house, um, on Saturday. Uh, the one thing I remember the most out of this matchup, Eddie Kingston was getting his ass beat at the hands of Lance Archer. And, and Eddie Kingston was trying everything in his power to beat Lance Archer. Now, there was this one part that I saw in the match where Eddie Kingston was completely uh, laid out, right? But unfortunately, there was this one part where Lance Archer was about to do his typical moonsault. And he did the move quite good, but the problem was... Uh, he landed a bit awkward, and it seemed like he landed on his head a little bit. Uh, well, not a little bit, but it, he, I could tell that he landed on his head when he dropped, and he was, uh, he was, he seems to be in a lot of extreme pain. The doctors were there checking on him and everything else like that. There were some people that said that they should have stopped the match, but I don't think Eddie Kingston, or I'm sorry, I don't think Lance Archer wanted to stop the match. I mean, all he had to do was just go in there. And if he had to lose, he had to lose. I mean, that was the only way to go. And plus, even if they throw the match out, that means that that Eddie Kingston would either win the match or something like that. But either way, Lance Archer came in. Uh, Eddie Kingston did what he had to do. He won the match. He beat Lance Archer. And now he moves on to the tournament. And he's going to be taking on Brian Danielson uh, in the Eliminator tournament. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with... Uh, as a matter of fact, um, Lance Archer, let me see if there's any notes in regards to him. Let's see. Kingston Archer have been in the ring a couple times. Landing a moonsault looked nasty and might have injured Archer. He ha uh, was present enough to uh, allow Kingston to finish off the match, but it looked rough. Uh, let's hope he didn't get a concussion at the end of, of everything. Well, it seems like uh, Lance Archer, from the last uh, report that I looked at, that he was doing okay. He was doing fine and everything. So we wish nothing but the best for Lance Archer, and we hope that he's okay. The next matchup wasn't much to talk about. It was Jungle Boy taking on Brian Cutler, the third stooge of the elite. And I'm not going to suspense with the formalities. Jungle Boy beat the shit out of uh, Brandon Cutler. And then Jungle Boy continued to beat the living hell out of Brandon Cutler until somebody decided to come out. That person was Adam Cole. And, um, of course, um, Jungle Boy was outnumbered. The Elite comes in, beats the hell out of Jungle Boy, goes up on stage. They threw him out. Uh, they threw him from the stage to the table and everything else like that. I see a match. A lot of people have been saying that they're going to see a match between... Jungle Boy and um, Adam Cole. I really hope that they do that match one more time. I really do. A couple, a couple of reasons why. Number one, I look at Adam Cole and I look at uh, Jungle Boy. As these two individuals, they look very similar to each other. 
very similar, not just because they're both young and talented individuals, but Adam Cole is more of the veteran, while Jungle Boy seemingly looks like a younger version of Adam Cole, when you think about it very, very closely. These two have competed not once, but twice. Now, Adam Cole has beaten him, not once, but twice. The third time, now, it's not going to surprise me if they do a match with these two at full gear. It would make sense. It would make sense a whole lot. Now, if you make it a six-man tag, I'm going to shoot Tony Khan in the head with a fucking shotgun if that shit happens. No, we don't want that. I don't want to really do that, but come on. Let's, it's, that's lazy booking, as Jim Cornette would say. <laughs> and uh, the final match here... There were several segments that, that that apparently they didn't talk about. Uh, there was one segment that involved MJF who cut an extremely cool promo on Sting towards Darby Allen, and no bar and no doubt we'll see a match between Darby Allen and MJF on uh, Full Gear because that's bound to happen eventually. Uh, and um, I, I think another another match, and I don't know why people haven't thought about this match yet. How about this? How about how about how about Sting versus Warload and um, Sean Spears? A handicap match. Think about that. You got a legend in Sting who could take on a big, stupid fuck like Warload. I'm sorry. I have to call it like I see it. And then you got a stupid, idiotic moron in Sean Spears. With all due respect, Sean's a talented athlete, but he's a moron for crying out loud. But anyways, MJF against Darby Allen could possibly happen at full gear on November 30th. That's just my call. Now, of course, the final match of the evening was Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. Here was my thought, and here was a lot of other people's thoughts. Number one, this this is the third match, obviously. Number two, we all see it coming. If you are not seeing this, you're blinder than a fucking bat. You know Cody Rhodes is going to win this match. You know the fans are going to boo the living shit out of him. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what the fuck happened. And here comes Arn Anderson coming out with the Glock and everything. You know, pointing the gun at uh, whatever and yada, yada, yada. Now, this was a good match. This was a good match. Now, to say this is the final match would be absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid in so many ways. Because what I'm looking at right now as as I'm looking at this, I mean this was a good match. Malachi Black, the the artist formerly known as Alistair Black, I say I call him Death Metal's favorite wrestler because number one, he has that dark image to him. Number two, he is a huge fan of death metal, I should know, because I follow him on Instagram, I follow him on Twitter, I follow all the stuff that he does. He loves some good death metal, especially Norwegian death metal, I should know, because he plays that stuff. But anyways, match was good, head to toe. My thought was, Cody's going to win. And then seeing the outside interference automatically tells me, hey, <laughs> he's going to win, hands down, but why? Why? And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Cody Rhodes wins the match. Now, let me talk about this because there are some people here that <laughs> that either need to be spanked in the fucking head or they need to be thrown off a bridge. Now, people have been telling me that, oh, 
Well, AEW had just, AEW Cody Rhodes had killed Aleister Black's momentum. And I'm like, okay, really? How the fuck do you kill his momentum? How? How do you do that? Here's the thing. Number one, the fans are still behind Malachi Black. They're still behind him, no matter what. Now, he's this kind of heel persona that they all need right now. Now, to me personally, this match, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, should have been saved for full gear. It should have been saved for full gear. There's this whole crazy story with Cody that I'm not getting. Now, I've mentioned this to several people in the past. Cody Rhodes is now starting to become AEW's version of John Cena. Or maybe AEW's version of Roman Reigns. Now, think about this. John Cena, who was this, you know, young babyface when he first came up. And then he started getting booed. And then all of a sudden, he started becoming the Dr. Thugonomics. And then fans started cheering him when he was a bad guy, right? And then when he started to turn into a babyface, he started winning championships. He started... Go, you know, becoming a United States champion, you know, defending his title every single time. He goes to WrestleMania, becomes the WWE champion, and then he goes to Raw. He gets successful, and all of a sudden, fans are booing him, and they're getting tired of this fucking shit. But John Cena had kept winning every single fucking time. He defeated some of the best. He became the best, and no matter how many times John Cena lost or won, people either booed him or cheered him. Now. Another example, Roman Reigns. Let's think about this. Roman was a part of the Shield. All right? Roman was booed from the beginning when he was a part of the Shield. And then all of a sudden the Shield became popular. The Shield became famous. The Shield became the shit. Everyone was separated. You know, Dean Ambrose went on one side, Seth Rollins went on another side. Roman Reigns was the big was the big dog that everybody wanted. They were trying to push him to go far, but then all of a sudden they talked about how Roman Reigns is like another version of John Cena, and then all of a sudden they booed him, right? They booed the shit out of Roman Reigns completely. Nobody cares about him, nobody gives a shit about him, but he kept becoming successful. No matter how many times you boo Roman Reigns, he's still good. He's still good. And even today, even now, when you look at Roman Reigns right now, look, some people can boo him, but he is the best Roman Reigns that he looks at. And the only reason why he's the best is because he's got Paul Heyman by his side. He's got the Usos with him. The bloodline is hot, and Roman Reigns is completely white hot, and the WWE is behind him all the way. Cody Rhodes is starting to fall in that trend. Think about this. He is trying to keep his baby, baby face persona. He's still trying to be a good guy, no matter what. He's still trying to keep his image. That's the difference. John Cena doesn't give a fuck about his image. He is who he is. Whether they boo him or cheer him, he's still who he is. Cody doesn't know who the fuck he is. With all due respect to Cody, I like him. He's a tremendous athlete. He's great at what he does. But he needs to understand that in this business, and if his dad was alive right now, he would probably, I, I don't know how, um, if, I, if I speak in dusty code, that'll be my fault here. Let me tell you something, baby. Cody, but baby, what you need to do is you need, you need, you need to be out. You need to, you need to let him in, baby. You need to let him in, you know. You just don't try to, you know, let me in, baby. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to speak in dusty roads. Come on. But anyways, the point of the matter is the whole thing with dusty roads or the whole thing with Cody Rhodes he, like I said, he's starting to become a John Cena. 
he's starting to become a Roman Reigns, and it's already starting to fill into the blanks here. So we'll see what happens. What's going to be next at full gear? Is Cody Rhodes going to take on Malachi Black one more time? Is Andrade Andrade did play a major role in the match, by the way. So something's got to give. Something's going to happen one way or another. We'll see how far this goes. And that is going to do it for Saturday night's AEW Dynamite. And Dynamite's going to be returning tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, AEW Dynamite will be continuing. Get an opportunity to check it out live as it happens on TNT. Should be great. Okay, guys. We talked about that Saturday night. Now, after I was done watching SmackDown and after I was done watching uh, Saturday Night's Dynamite, then came Bound for Glory. And believe it or not, Bound for Glory actually took place the following night. Um, I mean, after, after Dynamite was over. Now, the Countdown show actually started around... I think it started around 9 o'clock, I think. Actually, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Countdown... No, the countdown actually started at 8 o'clock. Because Dynamite started at 7 o'clock and then ended at 9. And then the countdown show began around 8 o'clock and continued on forward all the way to, I think it was 12 o'clock when it, when it ended. Well, anyways, um, saw the pay-per-view, saw the matches. So let me get right into it. A tournament final. Intergender six-way match. For the inaugural Impact Digital Media Championship, which looks, which is the worst championship I've ever seen since the 24/7 Championship, and this match featured Jordan Grace, Chelsea Green, Crazy Steve, uh, let's see, Falaba, John Skyler, Madison Rain, um. And I think that was it, right? Yeah, that's it. And the winner of the match, Jordan Grace, wins the Impact Digital Media Championship. What a fucking day. (laughs) That was the countdown show. Now let's get to the full event. The first matchup was was a tag team match for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. And it featured the artist formerly known as the Iconics. The inspiration, Casey Lee and Jessica uh, McKay to take on Decay of Havoc and Rosemary, the winner of the match. And new knockouts champions, the inspiration. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) Okay, a triple threat match to determine who will be the new, who will become the new X Division champion, Trey Miguel. El Fantasmo and Steve Malice, your winner, Trey Miguel. Is it just me, or does Trey Miguel look a lot like Ricochet? He looks a lot like Ricochet. I mean, they he moves like Ricochet. He looks like Ricochet. If you were to shave the head of, of Trey Miguel, I guarantee you he would look exactly like Ricochet all the way. The next one is a, um, a tag match. Featuring the members of Violence by Design. Eric Young. Let's see. Uh, uh, Violence by Design is uh, Diener and Joe Dorian. With Eric Young by their side. Heath to take uh, to take on uh, Heath and supposedly Rhino. This ended up being a handicap match first. And then after that, Rhino showed up to help Heath out. 
Heath and Rhino came in victorious. They defeated Violets by Design and put them right behind them and everything else like that. This one was a 20 wrestler intergender call your shot match. The winner receives a trophy and a contract they can invoke anytime within one year for a championship match of their choosing. Now, this is interesting because in this match, there were several wrestlers that were involved in this one, several that were, you know, in Impact Wrestling. One in particular, and this is the talk that everyone's been talking about, this is the only surprise that they had at Bound for Glory. An appearance by former WCW superstar. This man was known as Dale Torborg, but he was known as the Kiss Demon in WCW. Now all of a sudden he shows up. I mean, all of a sudden I'm watching this, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? And it's, wait a minute, is that, what the, is that Gene Simmons? Oh, wait a minute, that's fucking, that's that, the Kiss Demon. The Kiss Demon shows up. Let me tell you this right now, and, and I'm calling it like I see it. If Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley gets pissed off that a demon showed up, that some Kiss Demon showed up on Impact Wrestling, somebody's going to get their ass sued. I don't think it'll happen, but we'll see. But anyways... The winner of the 20 gauntlet match, Moose, won the match. The last opponent he threw out was the artist formerly known as Zack Ryder, known as Matt Cardona. Three-way match to determine the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, uh, the Good Brothers, Finn Juice, and the Bullet Club. Really? Chris Bay and... Wow, really? I had no idea it was in the Bullet Club. Huh. But anyways, the winner of the match is still Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, Doc Galloway, and Carl Anderson. Next matchup, singles match for the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Championship. Mickey James, one-on-one against Deanna Perrazzo. This was a good match. This is a good match from head to toe. Diana Perrazzo, who has been undefeated for well over, I would say, what, almost 400 days? Maybe maybe less than that as champion? She has defeated almost everyone in Impact Wrestling. But she couldn't do it as much as I... I, I thought for sure Diana Perrazzo was going to actually do it. But she couldn't beat the legend that is hardcore country Mickey James. Your winner and new knockouts champion. I believe she's now a, I believe she's a six-time or five-time now uh, in knockouts champion. Mickey James wins the match over Deanna Perrazzo. And also, the main event, not me, <laughs> the main event for the Impact Wrestling World Championship, Josh Alexander, the walking weapon to take on the Impact Wrestling World Champion, Christian Cage. The winner of the match by submission and new Impact Wrestling World Champion Josh Alexander, the walking weapon, winning the Impact Wrestling World Championship for the first time. Uh, it was a great match. It was a great match from head to toe. <coughs> Josh Alexander did a tremendous job. He's kind of like he's kind of like a mix between maybe a Kurt Angle. Maybe a Chris Benoit or maybe a Brian Danielson somewhere and like in that fight level and everything. 
uh, he, he calls himself the walking weapon, and he's pretty much just that, the walking weapon, and he was tremendous. But the story doesn't end there, and this this had to be, this was a, oh my god, this was a stupid ending, and I'll, I'll probably discuss this when I have an opportunity. So, Josh Alexander wins the match against Christian Cage, right? He's the new Impact Wrestling World Champion, and then all of a sudden, Moose, who had won the gauntlet match, who won the Call Your Shot match, had decided he's going to cash in his trophy and get an opportunity at the Impact Wrestling World Championship, and in less than seven seconds, Moose defeated Josh Alexander and become the new Impact Wrestling World Champion. So we had two new champions in one night at Bound for Glory. Josh Alexander defeated Christian Cage, and then all of a sudden Moose defeated Josh Alexander for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Bad finish, great event, love how it went down. And if you guys want to check out the encore presentation of Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, get a chance to check it out live on pay-per-view. It should be tremendous and everything else like that. There's going to be a lot more coming for Impact Wrestling, including Turning Point, which is coming on November 20th on pay-per-view. And also, uh, Impact Wrestling's heading over to Dallas, Texas in January 8th. Uh, Hard to Kill is going to take place over there. The main event is going to be looking forward to checking out that event in 2022. So it should be great. All right. We're getting very, very close to the end here. The end of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. So let's get right to the point here. Halloween Havoc is tonight. And right now, here are some of the matches that are going to take place. NXT's Halloween Havoc is going to be happening tomorrow night. Or actually tonight, as a matter of fact. I'm sorry. It's going to be happening. Um, These are the matches that are going to take place. The NXT Championship will be decided. Tommaso Ciampa will be defending the championship against Braun Breaker. Uh, My prediction on the matchup... As much as I'd love for Braun Breaker to win, I really want Tommaso Ciampa to win. Just to hold on to the title. And the fact that Braun Breaker... let's, Let's call it like we see it. Braun Breaker is the the son of Rick Steiner, okay? And, uh, you know, don't get me started on the whole story with the whole Steiner thing and everything. We know how it goes. But if things go the way it seems, <coughs> it's going to look like Tommaso Ciampa will lose to Braun Breaker. I have a feeling. I have a feeling it's going to happen that way. I don't know why. This one's going to be an interesting one. The NXT Women's Championship... In a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match, Raquel Gonzalez one-on-one against Mandy Rose. And this one, I gotta say, I gotta say this because it's true. This match is ass-backwards. And the reason why I say it's ass-backwards is because, with all due respect to Mandy Rose, Mandy Rose is gorgeous, is sexy, is hot, and I'll also say this because I can, I would fuck the shit out of her if I had the opportunity. But the thing is... Mandy Rose is not like Raquel Gonzalez, not like Asuka, not like Bailey, not like Sasha Banks, not like any of these women that made a huge deal for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, it's not going to surprise me if Mandy Rose walks away with the championship. It's not. But it's also going to be bad for NXT, and it's also going to be bad for the NXT Women's Division because, look, 
Someone like Mandy Rose, to me, she's a talented individual, but she's kind of like Eva Marie, kind of like Lana, kind of like, kind of like these women. She does have some talent, definitely, and I'm not talking about that sort of talent. I mean, she could actually wrestle in the ring. The only thing is, I'm hoping that Raquel Gonzalez will still be the champion. I really hope that they let her keep the championship, because if Mandy Rose wins the title, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. It's it's going to be bad. Fans are going to like it, but it's going to be bad in the next couple of weeks. Probably the next couple of months, depending. I, I already see that coming. The NXT Women's Tag Team Championship tri- Triple Threat Match. This match is now a Stairway to Hell ladder match. It's going to feature the champions Io Shirai and Zoe Stark to defend against Indy Hardwell and... Persia Parada and the members of Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Now, I'll, I'll call them like I see it. Toxic Attraction definitely needs to win. Gigi and JC need to become the tag team champions. That's my call. That's how I see it. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark, their title reign is going to end like that. And... It would be nice if Indy Hardwell would win. Indy and, and um, Persia. But we're going to see what happens. If they win it, it'll be good. But if Toxic Attraction wins, hey, it's good. But here's here's a scary thought. And Considering it's Halloween Havoc. Here's a scary thought. Mandy Rose wins the NXT Women's Championship. And the members of Toxic Attraction win the NXT Tag Team Women's Tag Team titles. They could take over the women's tag team division. The women's, the women's division in NXT, hands down. That may happen. We'll see, we'll see how far this goes. NXT Tag Team Championship. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. MSK to defend the championship against Imperium. I hope, Here, with all due respect, MSK are great. They're a great tag team. They're, they're possibly... They're, they, they're pretty much WWE's version of the Young Bucks, but with better talent. That's just me. That's just me calling it. That's just me calling it. But I think Imperium should become the next champion. Imperium should be the next tag team champions. Also, that's going to take place in Halloween Havoc. The debut of Solo Su- uh, Sokoa. I think that's uh, the person's name. This is also supposed to be a relative to Roman Reigns, a cousin, a bloodline to the Usos and everything else like that. So should be tremendous to check out this individual. Also, a mystery superstar to be unveiled. And also, lashing out with Lash Legend, Halloween Havoc special. Gee, I wonder what that could be. But anyways... That's all going to take place at Halloween Havoc. That's all going to take place tonight on uh, WWE's Halloween, on NXT's Halloween Havoc. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't know what to expect out of this whole situation at Halloween Havoc. But one thing's for certain. Halloween Havoc is going to happen tonight on NXT on USA. Should be tremendous to check out. Now, Speaking of Halloween Havoc, I got a very special episode of the Main Event Talk podcast that is going to take place on Halloween. Now, to let everybody know, Halloween Havoc came out years ago, back in 1989. But the Main Event is going to give you 
give you some time to check out the classic because for the first time on Halloween, the night when the night when Hector and Chrissy get married on Halloween and for the life of me, I do not know why they're going to get married on Halloween. But anyways, Halloween Havoc 1989, the main event's going to be doing his own personal review of Halloween Havoc from head to toe, and it's going to feature the Thunderdome Cage, which features the NWA World Champion Ric Flair teaming up with Sting to take on the Great Muda, the World Television Champion, and former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Terry Funk. And each of these individuals are going to have their own designated Terminator. So on one side, you've got Gary Hart, who will be on the side of Terry Funk and the Great Muda. And then on the other side, Ric Flair and Ric Flair and Sting, who are going to have Ole Anderson with them on that entire situation. So, should be tremendous to check out. Halloween Havoc 89, the main event's going to be doing his review on a very special Halloween edition of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Should be tremendous to check out. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for this edition of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Now, as always, you can follow the main event on Facebook at Facebook. Wait, actually, you can follow the main event on Twitter at twitter.com slash at main event player. You can also follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash at main event player. My, uh, my Facebook is not up and running yet. But if there's any details in regards to that, I'll let you guys know and everything else like that. Hopefully we'll get the Facebook up and running on November 3rd because that seems to be the date that's going to happen. But if it doesn't get up and running on November 3rd, then I'll have no choice but to go ahead and shut down the main event talk. And we're going to have to rebuild the main event talk all over again. And... To anyone that wants to make a friend request with me on Facebook, as I always say, proceed at your own fucking risk. That's all you have to know. And once again, this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast is brought to you by Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber, not your average hero as the legend continues. And also, if you guys are going to check out the first game of the World Series with the Houston Astros taking on the Atlanta Braves, Get an opportunity to go check it out over Richard's Billiards. It should be a great game. I say Houston is going to take it hands down. They're going to go to the World Series. They're going to beat the Atlanta Braves. And you know something? It's just too bad that the Atlanta Braves are going to have to lose to the Houston Astros. And it's too bad that they can't win in November. You know why? Because Indians never win on Thanksgiving. That didn't make any sense, but I was getting... <laughs> didn't make any sense at all. But anyways, get a chance to check out the Atlanta Braves taking on the Houston Astros. World Series Game 1 is about to take place. Check it out over at Rich's Billiards. Once again, 5815 Weber, not your average heroes. The legend continues. Grab a cold one on the main event. Eat some hot wings. Eat some pizza. Do what you can. Check out the game. I know I'm going to be checking out the game over here at the house alongside my brother who's a huge fan of the Astros. Anyways, Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Another great episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. There will be a new episode coming up Saturday, just to let everybody know, just to give you some updates on what's going on in professional wrestling. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time on another great episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Why? Because I can, and I want to. Any questions, 
Enough said. Now, on the last episode, I did a song from Death called Symbolic. I'm going to do another one from the Individual Thought Pattern album. This is The Philosopher from Death. I'll see you next time, guys.